0: This is the Big Issues Better Pod, acting today for a better tomorrow.
1: I know the show um, is heavily um, propped up by fast fashion sponsors. It creates fast fashion influencers and the whole thing perpetuates this overconsumption and... um, all the things that I'm basically against. So for me, it was like a massive opportunity to bring um, just some, something new and something fresh to, um, to that viewership.
0: When he appeared on Love Island last year, Brett Staniland was shocked at the amount of fast fashion available to the contestants. A campaigner for sustainable fashion, he worried about the environmental impact and the working conditions that lay behind those cheap clothes. Responding to similar concerns, this year the show has swapped their fast fashion sponsor for pre-loved clothes from eBay. On today's BetterPod, Brett explains how dressing ethically can be both fun and affordable. I'm Laura Kelly, The Big Issue's Future Generations editor. I lead a team of exciting young journalists from backgrounds that we don't normally hear from in the media.
2: Hi, my name is Jade Kabaki and I'm part of the Future Generations team. I was born in Ireland, but I'm from Congo. I've always been interested in the field of journalism. I love reading, writing, and I'm always looking at the latest news, but it never really felt like a realistic career path for me because I guess growing up, when I seen journalists, they usually come from white, upper-class backgrounds. And so I never really pictured myself in this field until I seen that the big issue was looking for people like me from underrepresented backgrounds. So I applied right away, and here I am. So, Jade, it was you that pitched
0: Brett for Batter Pod. Tell me why you wanted to speak to him.
2: Yeah, I wanted to speak to Brett because I'm a big fan of Love Island. And when I seen him on the show, I could just tell he was misunderstood, especially if you go on his social media platforms. You can see he's really passionate about things that matter. So I thought he'd be a good person to bring on the podcast so he can share ideas about sustainable fashion, especially since... People like me, we usually opt for fast fashion clothing because it's more affordable. So I think Brett coming on and sharing different ways we can get involved in sustainability was very important.
0: Thank you so much for joining Jade and I, Brett. I hear that we should now be calling you Dr. Staniland Uh, so congratulations on your PhD in public health and physical activity is that right if I got that one right?
1: Yeah yeah finally got there thanks very much.
0: Congratulations. That's brilliant how are you feeling?
1: Um, Weird I think it was strange on uh, Monday waking up and not having any uni work to do for the first time in a decade so yeah a bit, bit of a weird feeling
0: as you say that for the last decade there um, you've been studying and it was during that that you were signed up as a model alongside your twin brother scott was that a dream for you both
1: um no not at all it was something that um we'd never even considered to be honest i mean i was kind of interested in what i was wearing purely through like um you know social situations but um working in the industry was never something that was really an option for us like growing up in the Midlands, really. Um, so yeah, we were just like basically scattered walking down the street and um, a woman came up to us and like, you two models? And we were like, no. Um, and she was like, oh, do you want to be? And I'm like, I guess so. Sure. Let's. Why not? Um, and it basically just all went from there.
2: And then last year you were on Love Island, a show that I happen to be a big fan of myself. Um, why did you decide to go on Love Island?
1: Um, I think you know I've dedicated a lot of my um, adult life to academia and and work. You know, working two full time jobs. So those uh, situations where I'm open to like having a relationship have been quite slim for me. I've been focusing on other things. So um, when the opportunity arose, I was I was like reached out to to take part, and I didn't actually like apply the conventional way. Um, I was, you know, coming to the end of my PhD. It was kind of in submission processes, so I had a little bit of time. Um, and it was just one of those things, like a, it's a situation where it's so unique, and you're you're around people who are all there to be like they're all open minded and looking for a relationship in one way or another. So it was um, it was attractive, but there was there was a lot there's a lot of things to consider when you say yes to that that sort of show.
2: Yeah, definitely, it's a really exciting opportunity. You want to tweet about being disappointed about not being able to share your opinions about fast fashion on the show?
1: Yeah, I think um, I watched, I didn't watch all the um, episodes back because I watched a few and I was basically just done with it. I didn't want to watch anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, seeing the public reaction to like my personality and who I was, I could see that a lot of the things that I'd spoken about whilst I was there weren't aired. Um, And that's, you know, everything from my views on fashion and my job and stuff all the way to my political persuasions and um, my outlook on like life, I guess. So it was a bit frustrating. Um, and I think it would have helped my character on the show to then gain a little bit more uh, support from the public too, which is it's what the show like relies on. Like, If you're a contestant on the show, especially going in so late like I did, um, it's hard to compete against people who have a relationship with the public for seven or eight weeks.
2: That's true. Why do you think those conversations weren't urged?
1: you have to i mean itv have to protect their viewership and um you know th- that that the audience is so broad that they don't want to shut the doors on anyone so if someone i think uh comes in with quite a strong political opinion and opinion especially with like my opinion on the sponsors of the show they they can't air that because it might affect their uh, their sponsorship so um and equally i don't think people really do tune in it was I, I say it was nice just to have had an anecdote like just one or two in there I don't want them to air like a full-blown political persuasion like Question Time or anything, mm-hmm. but it just, just would have been nice for a character reference for me because I'm, I'm aware that people don't tune into that. People tune in because it's lighthearted and because it's like their release at the end of the day.
0: What were the conversations, I suppose, Brett, that, um, that you would have liked people to have heard? I
1: think because of the situation with the girl I was coupled up with, people assumed that I was quite strongly a Tory and I think because... Um, um educated and I've worked on how how I speak and um, people assume I come from this really um massive privilege um so there was there's a few sarcastic comments I made about the Tories whilst I was there, which I would have liked them to wear, but obviously understand why they didn't um, ones about boris um and you know misogyny and homophobia and islamophobia that um i'm I understand totally why they weren't aired. Um, And then, you know, it just, I think it would have helped with the dynamic with me and Priya as well, because I think when people who watch the show like, oh, you know, you actively pursued um, someone who's a strong conservative or whatever it might have been. And I was like, oh, they they clearly didn't air all the conversation then. So just little anecdotes here and there.
0: I see.
2: How would you respond to critics who wonder why you would go on a show like Love Islands seeming as it promotes a lot of fast fashion?
1: Yeah, I get this. I get this quite a lot on um, on social media, and it's like, you know, if I feel so strongly about sustainable fashion, why would I go on the show in the first place? But um, obviously, I didn't accept any of the clothes, spon- like the sponsors' clothes. Um, they um, they will basically provide you an entire wardrobe if you want one um, for like several weeks, and I didn't accept any of that. I didn't um, I didn't take part in any of the promo for it, and that was something I was really adamant on going in. But um, for me, it was it, it was you know, aside from the primary reasons for doing a show like that, the secondary reasons are to raise awareness about that. I know the show um, is heavily um, propped up by fast fashion sponsors. It creates fast fashion influences and the whole thing perpetuates this um, overconsumption and um, all the things that I'm basically against. So for me, it was like a massive opportunity to bring um, just a, some something new and something fresh to um, to that viewership, I guess. And I believe like The way I look at it is if there there was more contestants that had done the same as me, then the show's sponsors would have got less exposure.
0: Tell us a little bit about your journey to activism, why these causes have come to mean so much to you.
1: There's some key moments like being a model and being in like showrooms and stuff and just seeing, I think I remember once I was at a job and just seeing the sample collection um, of this particular brand and it was like a floor filled with clothing and I looked at it all, and I'm like, none of this is even being sold. None of this is even in the store. Um, it's literally just a sam- just a sample set. And there were so, so many clothes. Um, my interest, I think, came really comes from my dad and my granddad in um, looking after things and mending things, and you know, the the real art and craftsmanship behind behind shoes and behind garments um, is something that really interested in me. Was interested me. Um, my dad's an engineer. My my grandfather was um, was like a painter both really skilled at what they did. Um, And, you know, they they would buy a pair of shoes and keep them forever and they'd repair them and look after them and polish them. And I love all of that. So when I think my entry point into the industry was really at the start or like halfway through the boom of fast fashion. And so seeing clothes that just had no craft at all, um, that were viewed as disposable and all of that, that was a journey that I went on just during through my work. Um, and experiencing it firsthand Um, I've never been someone who's like purchased loads and loads of clothes but I can definitely see it in in my friends and so I started to question all of that Um, and then I thought you know there comes a point in your career where you want to look back on your work and be really proud of that body of work and feel like you have a decent legacy behind you that you know this was my career this is what I did and I'm really proud of it rather than just be like a nameless. Model at the front of a campaign. I wanted to be like Brett. That's actually him, and he only works with these brands, and he really stands for something.
0: I guess you've talked about about fast fashion there. If you were to explain to our listeners why there's a problem there, what what is it that that action today is doing to tomorrow that's you know that's bad?
1: Um, I think there's there's two like conversations. They're they're intertwined, but there's two conversations kind of have. One is the effects on the planet and how. We can't sustain this amount of this amount of waste, this amount of production, this amount of use of fossil fuels um, and all of the things that contribute to global warming and climate change. We're seeing really turbulent weather at the moment in England and people say, oh, yeah, the weather's just crazy. I'm like, think about why the weather is crazy. What do you think it is that's causing it? Um, And the other one is about people. When you think of the fast fashion garments, when you get one, you turn it inside out and have a look at it. and you think, how is it possible that I've bought this for £6? And who's been paid to make it? Um, and what, what are their, what's their situation? Um, there's, some, there's some really good documentaries. One is a few years old now from Unreported World on um, the Chitarum River in Indonesia. And um, the people who live on this river work at the textile factories that make all the clothes that we wear. And they are actively polluting their own water source. They're giving their babies rashes because it's the only water that they have um lots and lots of health conditions and again they're not being paid fair living wages they don't have a good quality of life all for for the one thing that you they can make you a 6 pound shirt or 6 pound dress so there's a people conversation and an environment conversation which are which are used to try and like get people um you know to care That's the bottom line is we just have to make people care
2: you hit the headlines for your protest outside of a uh... Fellow Love Island star Molly Mae, can you tell us about the protest and why you took the stand?
1: Like regardless of whether I was on Love Island or not, I would have still been there. Um, a, f- a couple of friends, so Venetia Lamanna. She's a she's a great friend and a really good um, activist in this conversation. Um, and it's you know the the pretty Little thing, runway show, runway show was the first opportunity that we've had to like actively get together and uh, protest something in the UK. It's the first fast fashion runway show um in the UK i think they did one in 2019 in in america but it's the first time it's been in london and you know boohoo are one of the worst uh brands on the planet for overproduction and um the treatment of their labor force so this was um this was a big opportunity for us because you know again that audience is the audience that we need to target to try and help educate and um Show them the actual exploitative practices of the brands that they uh, they're buying from. You know, obviously the fact that I was on the same show definitely helped with the uh, with the exposure, of the protest, which I was really grateful for. Um, and the response was good; like 99 percent of it was good. Obviously, I got a lot of trolling um, as a result, but it's part and parcel of of, uh, of all of it. I
2: actually agree. I've seen a lot of trolls talking about the fact that you're doing it for attention or out of spite for Molly Me. So, how would you respond to? people who are saying that
1: I don't really know what attention it is that I'm trying to chase or clout that I'm trying to chase um what Molly Mae has and it's not I know people the press will always put our names next to each other because of the show or whatever but um I don't really want anything that she's got like the brand deals that she has I don't want I've never wanted them either before um I did the show um and you know the whole like clout thing. I don't think there's any like you know environmentalists aren't the most liked people anyway so I don't really (laughs) know where that would that would go as such but um it's it's a really weird thing to try and like say like clout isn't something that drives me forward I think if I went and there was no cameras there I'd have still gone and I've still been really proud of the work.
0: Coming up how does Instagram fuel fast fashion and what could be done about it? Did you know you can get The Big Issue's award-winning journalism through your door every week? As a better pod listener, you can sign up to get a four-week subscription to the best in news, politics and culture for just £12. And we'll even throw in a stylish tote bag for free. Go to bigissue.com slash bigpod to find out more. A lot of the time when people think about sustainable fashion, um, they tend to think kind of charity shops or second-hand clothes And for a lot of people who love fashion, that might not seem very appealing. So I wonder for you, how do you make it seem attractive and maybe even exciting to be involved in sustainable fashion?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you say sustainable fashion to people, they either imagine like grubby clothes from charity shops that aren't appealing or... um, like, earthy-toned, floutsy, like, um, really drapey clothing. Um, You know, something like hippies from the 80s and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, So it's definitely something that I'm trying to help change. I think um, it helps if you come from, like, a luxury element and trickle it down. Um, I think because the the sustainable fashion spectrum is so large, like, even just telling people, look, you can borrow something from a friend, and that is in the conversation of being more sustainable than buying something new – Um, as well as buying things that are timeless and creating um, a style that, yes, has elements of your personality in, but you have like this staple set of clothing which, you know, lives with you and it's part of you um, for much longer than, you know, one or two wears. Um, The rise of like, you know, uh, Vestiaire and Vinted and these um, secondhand platforms is really good for it as well. Um, But, you know, I think the, the first step is literally wearing what you have and understanding that if you wear something twice none of your friends are going to be like oh my god you've worn that twice that doesn't really ever happen people think it might um and especially on social media once they've posted an outfit they're very cautious about posting it again so yeah i think the conversation's much larger now than just you know it's charity shops sustainable fashion is charity shops it, um you know we have to we have to try and make people more aware of all the other tangents of sustainable fashion um But the bottom line is, and I said this to like, there's loads of brands that reach out, you know, like we're thinking of starting a sustainable fashion brand and we've had this crazy innovative new material that we're working with. And I'm like, the bottom line is, it has to be cool. If it's not cool, no one's going to care about what it's made from or where it's come from. Um, It has to be in line with, you know, what that person wants anyway. It just has to so happen to be a more sustainable option.
0: I'm I'm going to ask you a question now, and I I feel like you've kind of half gone to it because you talked about borrowing your friend's clothes and you've talked about wearing the stuff that you have. But I think that people do also, on the flip side, seem to think that sustainable fashion has to mean really expensive, you know, because they, you know, they compare it to those six pound shirts that you've been talking about there. And they think, you know, I'm, I'm a lot of people are obviously really struggling at the moment. So they might think, I I just can't afford to do that. That's one of the things that's just going to have to slide for me because I haven't had that pay increase or I'm trying to live on a restricted income. Can it also be affordable?
1: I think the classism conversation with, um, with sustainable fashion is really, really interesting. And there's, there's always people um, messaging me, you know, I just can't afford to shop sustainably. I can't afford that £80 plain white t-shirt. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, there's there's so many more options to buying something new. And I think buying something new should actually be the, the last option that you consider. Um, it is like renting and borrowing from friends, um, mending and fixing what you have. But again, that means, you know, people need time after work to then even learn a skill of how to knit and sew, which isn't something that I learned, it's something my grandparents learned. So there's all those things. But I think um, another important part of this is rather than asking why I can't afford um, to shop, like a, shop sustainably, it's, it's more um, why isn't sustainable fashion more affordable or why is, why is fast fashion so cheap? Because the cost of those items aren't reflecting the true cost of what those items should be. Um, so there's more conversations to be had around that, really. And I know Sophie Benson, is, um, she's a tremendous journalist, and she talks about these conversations quite a lot. Um, so there's more issues there. I think for, um, f- for the classism conversation, the people who are living really frugally and posmoniously, I like, I've obviously been a student for 10 years, I've definitely witnessed that, been through that. Um, it, they're not the ones that we're trying to apply pressure to they're they're not the ones that we're trying to campaign against if if they go and buy something from Primark because that's all they can afford and they don't have time to do any other things it's completely fine they're not the ones doing the 200 pound on a haul of items they don't need
0: yeah no that's a really excellent point and and a good way to look at it that um yeah pressure where pressure is due right
1: exactly
2: And Brett, what do you think our brands can do to be more environmentally friendly?
1: I think there should be a massive amount of pressure um, from legislation that they shouldn't be allowed to make anything from virgin materials. Um, Whether it be plastic or natural materials, there has to be much more recycled and regenerative uh, materials included in collections or in offerings, whatever it may be. Um, they also need to be designing not just an item but designing the whole life cycle of the clothing so there needs to be an initiative right from the sourcing of materials all the way through to right when that person's done with it what can we do to help the consumer rather than put all the pressure on them to either fix it or recycle it themselves. I think another big one would be Instagram as well like social media is such a big player in uh, the fashion industry and I really believe that you shouldn't be able to shop on these platforms because that's not what they were intended to do. Um, I think you should be at least four or five clicks away from buying something rather than watching a story swiping up and adding to a basket should not even be possible I don't think. Um, so yeah there's a, there's a few I think the responsibility element has to be on them it can't be all on the consumer and I think to be involved with that is is the legislation and some government intervention.
0: Before we let you go, we have just a couple more questions. Uh, Every week we ask our podcast guests three questions about future generations. So if you're ready, Brett, we'll go ahead.
1: Okay, sure.
2: Yeah, so the first question is, what's one bit of advice you'd wish you'd known earlier?
1: I think it's probably Adita Rahm's proverb. It's less but better. And that can be, that's transferable. If someone just says less but better, that could be with absolutely anything that you do, whether it's your buying habits or whether it's your designing process, um, or even just like in your house, like think having less but having better things is, um, is such a good ethos to kind of in, ingrain with, with everything that you do.
0: What's one piece of art that gives you hope for the future?
1: A friend at Arjababa has a brilliant book called Consumed, and I, it's such a great reference point for the industry that I work in. And I would recommend it to everyone, whether you're entry-level or, you know, really deep-dived in the, in the sustainable fashion conversation. Um, it gives me hope and it, it, it shows, one, how brilliant people can be, um, but also, you know, the, uh, the really tough issues within the industry.
2: And lastly, what's one thing our listeners could do today to make tomorrow better?
1: make the most of what you have. I think I, I say that with everything and uh, all parts of my life, even the furniture in my house, like make the most of everything you have. If you need to buy, if you need a change or you need to do something, explore every other option other than buying something new.
0: Thanks again for joining us, Brett. That's a great message, I think, to leave us on.
1: No problem at all. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to BetterPod. If you'd like to support us, please subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends. We're relying on word of mouth to bring people into our conversation and to help us all discover how we can act today for a better tomorrow. You can keep up with all the Big Issues reporting at bigissue.com where you can also discover how to find your local vendor.